Okay, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Ladies, welcome back from the retreat. I'm hearing so many good reports of what happened, and and I shared at the first service, one thing that really blessed me uh, leading up to the retreat was just the ladies praying after the second service for the last four or five weeks. And uh, I know all our retreats have been great, but I just think this one was particularly powerful. It's not a coincidence. The, the Lord, uh, quoting Isaiah, it says, the Lord waits upon us to be gracious to us. And you know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for us to pray. And uh, so it was great uh, to, uh, to, to see that, to hear the reports about the retreat. Okay, so this is, we're just going to continue, ladies and guys. We're going to begin uh, in the Word, John chapter 16. We're going through John chapter 16, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. <clears throat> please Rise for the reading of God's word. We are in John chapter 16 and we'll be starting with verse 5. John chapter 16, verse 5, but now, this is Jesus speaking, but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, that we can open up the Word of God, the Bible, and we can just hear directly from you, Lord. Any time of the day, anywhere we are, whatever season, but yes, Lord, it includes Sunday morning when we gather. Oh, how we need you, Lord. You are so much bigger than every single thing that is in front of us, the trials, the temptations, the confusion, the the craziness of the world. You're, You're bigger than it all, Lord. But you tell us that in order for us to be living in this place, Boston, May 6, 2018, we need to be in your word. Lord, we, if we're in your word, we're not going to hear or understand a thing without your help. Help us 
today to get it. Lord, get it. Get the word, that, the, the, your voice which speaks, Lord, through your word. I just pray, Lord, that I would not be a hindrance. And every man, woman, and child in this room hearing from you, Lord. I pray that. I pray all of this, Lord, for our church. I pray it for every church, Lord, that's teaching the word of God in the city today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. Okay, John chapter 16, verse 5 again. Jesus says this. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your Heart. Now, Jesus is sharing his final words with his disciples. Soon, within a few hours, he would be arrested, and within about 12 hours, he would be hanging on a cross, an iron stake through his right hand, an iron stake through his left hand, an iron stake through his two feet, and a crown of thorns on his head. Within 12 hours of saying the words, the very words we're reading right here. Now it says in verse 6 that the words that he's already been sharing up to this point had filled their hearts with sorrow. Again, verse 6. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Why? What did he say? What did he say that had caused their hearts to be filled with sorrow? Well, he had told them that he would be leaving them soon. John 13, 33, Jesus says, little children, I shall be with you only a little while longer. He had also told them that, that, they, that they are to continue the work that he started. John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit. And Jesus also said that when they went out to bear fruit, that the world would hate them. John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus said, when the world hates you, remember it hated me first. No wonder sorrow had filled their hearts. Imagine a friend or family member who you are connected deeply with. Just your hearts have connected. They almost joined. You're so close to them. Being cut off a few years into the relationship, that gives you kind of an idea of what's going on here. But really, really so much more is going on just than deep, deep friends departing. So much more going on. They are going out as sheep among the wolves only their shepherd will no longer be with them. But in spite of that, Jesus says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper... Again, referring to the Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, have you ever thought, I know I have, 
that Jesus' disciples had an unfair advantage because they were with Jesus in the flesh. Ever thought that yourself? Actually, many times I've thought. Have you ever been talking to someone about God? Well, you know, it'd be a little easier if I got to see Jesus in the flesh. Anyone ever hear that from anyone else? Well, next time you think that or hear that, remember this verse. Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. He's saying they will be better off if Jesus goes. Why? Because only if Jesus goes, only if he returns to his father's house, which is what he calls heaven. He calls it his father's house, John chapter 14, verse 2. And only if he dies, is resurrected and taken up to heaven, can he send the Holy Spirit. Anyone remember what Jesus said right before he was taken um, up into heaven in Matthew 28, verse 20? Famous words. Right before he was taken up to heaven, he said this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Well, how is he going to be able to be with them if he's not with them? By the Holy Spirit who Jesus would send to them after he was taken up to heaven, just as he had promised he would do right here in verse 7 of, uh, of John chapter 16. Again, it says there at the end of verse 7, I will send him to you. And we've been talking a lot about the doctrine of the Trinity in our study of John. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one, perfect in unity, a mystery. We cannot understand it. We're like a little tiny grain of sand in the Sahara Desert. We're not going to fully be able to fully understand the nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one. It's a mystery. But here you have it discussed in these very verses that we're reading right now. When the Holy Spirit is sent to the disciples after Jesus is taken up in heaven, it is Jesus himself who is coming to them. Only when he comes to them, Jesus is not just with them, he is in them, John chapter 14, verse 17. We've already been through this um, a couple months ago. Sean, can we have this? Thank you. It said, Jesus says, I will pray and the Father will give you another helper. The spirit of truth. Now he dwells in, rather now he dwells with you, but then he will be in you. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is taken up to heaven. About He's taken up to heaven about 40 days from this time in John chapter 16. About 40 days, he's actually taken up into heaven. His final words were in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down on the disciples of Jesus. And listen, from that point on, from Acts chapter 2 on, all the way to 
May 6, 2018 and beyond, any time a man or woman believes in Jesus, receive him as Lord, as king of their life, they receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Having believed, this is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus, you were sealed and given the Holy Spirit of promise. I, I add and given because the same verse in 2 Corinthians uses the word given. Having believed, you were sealed and given the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Apostle Paul is later able to uh, tell the Corinthian church in the last chapter of 2 Corinthians, he tells them this, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? It's the doctrine of the Trinity shouting out from the pages of the Bible. God the Son is in you because God the Holy Spirit is in you. So, how is Jesus able to say to his disciples right before he is taken up to, to heaven, I will be with you even to the end of the age? Because the Holy Spirit who had been with them would, would be in them. So Jesus is with them. He's more than with them. He is in them. So back to John chapter 16, verse 7. Jesus says to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. You are better off if I go away. Now let me just give you some practical examples of that. What he's telling them is you'll, you'll no longer just see that peace that I have just think about it. They got to see the peace of Jesus every day. They didn't have peace themselves. There's a record of the disciples up to this point. They had no peace themselves, but they could see that peace. Wow, look at that peace. Ever see just a man or woman of God that just has a peace over them? And that's how they were. They saw that peace. Now you see the peace, but then you will have that peace living in side of you. And then he says, uh, as well, think about this, no longer will you just see the joy of Jesus, and we've been here and we'll be here again, no one has more happiness and joy than God. And they saw that. Yes, he's called a man of sorrows. It's a different sermon for another time. But he, he, he was a man who knew joy. They had that joy. They saw that joy and have joy themselves. But that joy would be in them with the Holy Spirit. When they received the Holy Spirit, they would have the joy in them. That's why Jesus is able to say in John 15, verse 10, you will abide in my joy. It's not like you're trying to get joy from the outside. Joy's on the inside. You will abide in my joy. No longer will you just have to see the love of Jesus. Can you imagine seeing day in and day out the love of Jesus? Just that love. Choosing others before self from morning to evening. All day, that love. 
But it would no longer be just seeing the love of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they would have the love of Jesus. And that's why Jesus is able to say in John 15, verse 9, you will abide in my love. Everyone with me? They will be better off if Jesus leaves them. Now think about just a a couple months prior to the time of John chapter 16. Jesus is making his final journey to Jerusalem. Some of you know this story. He has left where his home is in the northern part of Israel, of what we know as Israel. He's traveling south to Jerusalem, his final journey to Jerusalem. He has a Samaritan village that he needs to pass through, so he sends a couple of his disciples into the village. Hey, Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. Can, can you prepare a place for him here? And what did they say to the, to the disciples in that village? Out of t- get out of town, man. Get out of our town. We're not receiving that man who you call Messiah. We don't want him here. What happened next? The Bible says that James and John ran back to Jesus and they said, hey, Jesus, the Samaritans don't, they don't want to receive you. Do you want us to call fire from heaven to destroy them just like Elijah did? Do do you want us to call fire from heaven and, and, and just make all these bodies of flesh ashes, incinerate them, destroy them? Jesus, is that what you want? What was Jesus' response? Book of Luke. He says to them, he says, guys, you have no idea what manner of spirit you are, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save lives. Now, a few months after that, those same two guys, James and John, received the Holy Spirit. And today, who do we know John, the Apostle John, as? He's the Apostle of what? Very good. The Apostle of love. He's just all about love. In fact, there are uh, records, uh, their tradition of, uh, of, of description of, of John in the final years of his life. It's all he wanted to talk about. In fact, first John, the letter, it's all he wanted to talk about. 50 times, 50 words, the word, the, 50 times the word love is used in some for, one form or another in first John. A tiny little letter, it's five chapters. He's all about love. You see, he had, before Jesus had left, he had seen the love of Jesus. But after Jesus had left, he had the love of Jesus inside of him. He was so much better off that Jesus had left. It was to his advantage. You, you are so much better off with Jesus having left. You're so 
so much at an advantage to every human being who lived at that time, who was able to come in contact with Jesus. You, you have an indescribable advantage, Calvary Chapel in the city. Because having believed, the Bible says you were sealed, you were given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Which enables you to love. I mean, the, the, James and John, they're calling fire down to destroy that Samaritan village. It's not as if they had been with Jesus hearing his teaching for three years. I, I, I mean, for three years he had taught them, love your enemies, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Don't rain fire down from heaven. Again, when the they came to arrest Jesus. It's the apostle Peter picks up a sword and hacks off the, the, the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus said, put the sword down. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. That is not the weapons of our warfare and our carnal. They're about love, the Bible says. And listen, Calvary Chapel in the city, or if you happen to be visiting here today, if, you, if you're not loving, if you're not loving people, you're nothing. You're nothing. I'm nothing. And that's not just me talking. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. I'm nothing. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him. We need the Holy Spirit. And you're at an advantage, not a disadvantage. Oh, you know, if I got to see Jesus do miracles, oh yeah, I'd be out living for him. No, nonsense. So many people saw his miracles and turned away. John chapter 6, verse 66, it says most of his disciples turned away and followed him no more. You have the Holy Spirit, which enables you to love. But listen, what, what's, what's going on here in John chapter 16 was so much more about love, about, about love, loving people. Yeah, they needed to love, to pe love people, but that meant talking with them. Oh no, God, please, I'll love people. Just don't let, please don't let me have to say anything to them. <laughs> Again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right before he was taken up to heaven, his final words, he's saying to his disciples, and he's saying, uh, he, he's saying to his disciples, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Your, your life and your words shall be a witness to me. You will tell people about me and the words that you speak will be backed up by the power of a life lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you have to open your mouth. You have to speak. 
So you, you have the, the, the disciples here. They're listening to Jesus. He's speaking to them again just a couple of hours before he's arrested. And, and, and no doubt they're thinking, well, okay, it's one thing to love people. Another thing to talk with people, especially when those people are more educated, more sophisticated, have more money, they're cooler, they're more beautiful, they're, they're more popular than me, especially when those people look down upon me, especially when those people are intimidating, especially when you are talking with them about what? John chapter 15, verse 8, their sin, the righteousness of Jesus, and the judgment to come. Oh my do I need the Holy Spirit? Verse 8. Jesus says, and when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he, through you, you have my permission to write this note right in between he there and will. He, through you, through your words, through your lives, will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then he continues. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus is telling them that the Holy Spirit, through you, Yes, yes, you, you. Through you is going to be a witness to the world of Jesus Christ. And if you're in the disciples' shoes, I mean, this is a fearful thing, right? Because he's telling them to to go out, but of course, who's no longer going to be with them? It's the one of whom it was said, no man ever spoke like this man. <laughs> Remember that from John chapter 7? John chapter 7, the, 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 the temple rulers sent the officers to go and arrest Jesus. They went to arrest him. They listened to him. Listened to him. They didn't arrest him, and they came back to the rulers, and they said, what's going on? Where's Jesus? We sent you to arrest him. What did they say? Right here. Well, no no man ever spoke like this man. And then he said, what are you, are you his disciples too now? Could very well have been his disciples by then. But that's who was leaving. And so in John chapter 16, the guy of whom it said, no man ever spoke like this man, he's gone how are we going to be a witness to the world? And, the, and this one who has been with us for three years, he's, he's no longer going to be with us. That's why Jesus had just said, you're better off without me. You're better off without me. You're better off without me because if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. Now he's with you. Then he will be in you. And he, through you, will speak to the world about these things, their sin, Jesus' righteousness, and the judgment to come. 
So what actually happened with these guys? What actually happened? Well, as we talked about earlier, in Acts chapter 1, about 40 days after this time, Jesus had taken up into heaven his final words again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me. The next chapter, Acts chapter 2, what happened? Someone shout it out. What? Shout it out more. That's right, the Pentecost, which was what? The Holy Spirit fell upon men, the fulfillment of the promise. All these promises that Jesus has been talking about in chapter 14, 15, and 16 happened in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came upon them. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples were brought before the men who were a lot smarter than them, a lot more educated, and a lot wealthier, and a lot more powerful. And when these Smart, educated, wealthy, powerful men saw his disciples. What does Acts chapter 4 say they saw? Acts 4 verse 5 says this. The rulers, elders, and scribes saw that they were uneducated and untrained men. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Now, why, why did they realize they had been with Jesus? For one reason and one reason alone, Jesus was in them. Because prior to Acts chapter 2, these guys, Holy Spirit hadn't come down yet, they were all hiding under beds and in enclosed uh, homes in Jerusalem, terrified, their knees chattering. They were hiding from the authorities. They received the Holy Spirit, and it says, though they were uneducated, though they were untrained, we better not mess too much with these guys. They have been with Jesus, not knowing what? That Jesus was inside of them. And so what were these uh, uneducated and untrained men? What did they tell these more educated, these more powerful, these more beautiful, more wealthy people? What did they say to them? Right up to their faces, what did they say? Acts 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no other. This is what they were saying to these wealthy, educated highly degreed men. There is salvation in no other, for there is no other name. Who's, what's the name? There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And what was the result? Acts chapter 6, verse 7 says this, then the word of God spread, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Faith, those, those wealthy priests, they were the, 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 the priests at that time were, were wealthy. They were more educated than everyone else. They were more popular. They were the power brokers in Jerusalem. And many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So men and women of Calvary Chapel in the city, if you take one thing from this sermon, please take this, and you've probably already guessed what I'm going to say. You are not at a disadvantage because you weren't physically with Jesus 
2,000 years ago. In fact, you are better off. In real fact, you are indescribably better off. You have the Lord Jesus living inside of you. Only understand this. You need the Holy Spirit. You need him. You need the Holy Spirit to love. You need the Holy Spirit to pray. And you need the Holy Spirit to talk. And that only happens when you surrender to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians it says, walk in the Spirit and you will not satisfy the lust of your flesh. Rather, you will be filled with power. So many of you here in this room, you're, you're going to, the circles that you're in, you're with people smarter than you. They're a lot of, for, all, for a lot of you, they're older than you. They're more experienced than you. There's a lot of stuff that they know better than you. They're more powerful than you. They get more money than you. You got to open your mouths. You have to open your mouths. <laughs> you got to talk. You can't love most of the time, you can't love without also speaking. I just to share a story of mine uh, that happened, oh, like 15 or 16 years ago. I had just started in the private workforce, worked for a company here in Boston. It was before I was a full-time pastor. And actually, it was before the church started here. And... Um, I worked for a really, really, really important man in my company. He was a Jewish man. He was a real smart man. He was an experienced man. He used to be a partner at a very prestigious New York law firm. He had, was responsible for obeying the rules and, and, and the ethics of probably about 20,000 people in, in my company. I worked for him for one year. Real smart guy. His name was Michael Michael. First name, first name, and last name were the same name. I used to love how he would answer the phone. Michael Michael. <laughs> that's, that's how we answered the phone. Michael Michael. And, uh, you know, people were like, you know, people, you know, when they were behind closed doors, oh, what, what was his mother thinking of? I mean, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I, I really do. Um, but anyway, uh, I worked for him about, for, for about a year, this very, this older, probably about 15 years older at least than me, much more educated, much more experienced man. And, and then um, I, I went on to a different job in the company and he asked me if I wanted to go to dinner and I said, well, are we allowed to anything you want to talk about? He goes, no, you talk about anything you want. And I said, well, can we talk about God? He said, okay, we'll talk about God. And what I did, I, I, um, I went to, we went out, we went to this restaurant and. Uh, in the north end, and uh, but before I went, he's a Jewish man, so I I I made copies 
of two pages in, in my Bible, Isaiah 53, written by a Jewish prophet, written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And, and you know, we had our meal, it was a good meal, but then I like reached down, it was a little awkward. Of course, there's voices in me shouting, don't do it, don't do it, you can't do it. I took out these pages and I, I just, I read, I, I read these verses uh, and I let them know, this is a Jewish prophet. This is coming from the Jewish Bible. It's also a description of Jesus. So I read these verses, verse 4, surely he, speaking of the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, meaning that's referring to the, the stripes of a whip, by his stripes we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. In other words, he was executed. And they made his grave with the wicked, referring to the two thieves, but with the rich at his death, referring to the tomb um, of Joseph of Arimathea, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he has put him to grief. And then referring to the resurrection, it says, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many because he will bear their iniquities. And so I read this to him, and after I finished, he said, well, that's interesting. Obviously, that was written after Jesus was crucified. And I said, well, no. Uh, you, you, you can do the research, Michael. I mean, even people who are opposed to, to Christianity and any Jewish scholar you can find, they will tell you this was written hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified, the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, this is all a matter of public record. And then I just gave the results to the Lord. Now, a few years later, he died, got cancer, and he died. I, I don't know what he did with that knowledge or those two sheets that I left with him. But I, I got to tell you, there's only one way I was able to do it, and that was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it ain't in me to be 
talking what the world thinks is foolishness. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The world thinks it is foolishness. And me to be talking what the world thinks is foolishness to someone smarter, more experienced, more powerful than me. So I want to close with this. Let's go back to John chapter 16. Jesus tells them now again what they're going to go out and share, and he's telling you. He's telling you. We, you, you, you have been blessed so immeasurably by the Lord. His grace has been exceedingly abundant in your life. And now you must open your mouths. God wants to save this city. He wants to turn this city um, upside down. That's not just gobbledygook from a preacher. That's God's heart for the city. He loves the city, the city of Boston. And he wants to use you to do it. And this is the message. He says, verse 7, um, rather, verse 8, and when he has come, he, through you, will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in him. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I want to quickly take those one at a time. Your first... Need to, we need to open our mouths about sin. By the Holy Spirit, we need to speak about sin and to call sin, sin. You know, today, there's all kinds of discussion about what sin is, and people are redefining sin. Now, I, I, I'm, here, I'm here to tell you And I know this is a heavy, difficult thing, but I, I, man, I gotta, I gotta be faithful to the, to the Lord. Homosexuality is a sin. It says that in the Bible. No matter what the press is telling you, no matter what the government is telling you, homosexuality is a sin. Romans chapter one. God gave them over to their sin, and women exchange their bodies with other women and men exchange their bodies with other men. That, that's, that's clear. You know, smoking weed, even though it may be legal, that's sin. And, 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 and doing coke and heroin if someday they become uh, legal, that's sin too. Embracing a, a, a gender identity that's not your biological one, that's Sin, having sex before marriage, is sin. A, a, a man lusting at someone who's not his wife. That's, you know, that's a natural thing that every man, every Christian man struggles with. But just because it's natural doesn't mean it's not sin. <laughs> well, don't let the world convince you that just because something's natural, it's not sin. But, but, but look, you know, speaking against, you're talking trash about your boss. That's sin. Talking about a coworker, about whatever, they took the credit for something that you did or whatever. That is sin. 
But hear me out here. Remember the verse that we're talking about now. It says, of sin because they did not believe in me. Someone wants to discuss sin with you, quickly tell them what the Bible says, but move on to what Jesus wants you to move on to, and that is Jesus himself. It says, of sin because they didn't believe in me. Get them, change the conversation by God's grace to the fact that, okay, look, the Bible does say that sin, but can we talk about Jesus now? The Bible says he lived a perfect life without sin. He's tempted in all things, but without sin. The Bible says that he was crucified for, for your sins. The penalty for your sins is death. He, he died for you, and then he rose again. What are you going to do about him? Brothers and sisters, we've got to open up our mouths and say something about that. Then it says... The next verse, in verse 10, it says, of righteousness, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. What does that mean, will convict the world of righteousness? You can just substitute the word Jesus there. Jesus, the, the righteous one, he is called. And I, the best that anyone wants to you want to talk to anyone about who Jesus is, I'm telling you, I think the best place in the, in the whole Bible to go to is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. You don't have to uh, uh, go there. I'm going to read it briefly now. It says this. Of course, you know that God is love. That's a verse in the Bible. Jesus is God. Love suffers long, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked to anger. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in uh, iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of righteousness, meaning that they are sinning against that Love, they're sinning against love. You're rejecting love. By rejecting Jesus, you are rejecting love incarnate. Love in the flesh. And then finally it says uh, in verse 11, the Holy Spirit through you will convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, this is getting really heavy. The Bible says that um, Jesus judged. 1 John chapter 3, it says, for this reason, Jesus came to the world to destroy, to judge the works of the enemy. And he has prepared a lake of fire for him. There is a lake of fire prepared for the devil. But the Bible says in the book of Revelation, that every unbeliever, and if you're here this morning, listen to me now, every unbeliever will join Satan and his demons, the fallen angels, in that lake of fire. This is real stuff. <laughs> Jesus is about to leave them, and he's telling them, please open your mouth. There's a judgment 
to come. Romans chapter 14 says this, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ for it is written, this is speaking of the whole world, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us shall give an account of himself before God. Jesus says, by every idle word, every idle word that you make, every careless word, you will be judged. You will need to give an account. So is the account that you're going to give, well, I, I was good enough, I lived a good enough life to go to heaven with a backdrop that you rejected the Son of God who came to die for your sin. The Bible says that there's judgment waiting on that person. Look, I'm going to I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and I'd like for you all to stand, if you could stand at this time. While the worship team is playing, I want us to do business with the Lord. I mean, this is like serious stuff. One thing I I, I like about reading chapter by chapter, we can all um, stand at this time for the closing worship song. One thing I like about uh, chapter by chapter is that we, we, we are... As, as preachers of the, of the word of God, I have no choice but to go through these verses. These are very heavy verses. But you know something? The issue here is this. You've received the Holy Spirit if you've received Jesus as your king. But are you surrendered to him? And do you ask him to fill you every single day? The Bible says that having believed you've received the Holy Spirit... But it also says this, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. There's only a way to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is to say, God, I got myself drunk on wine. <laughs> I am thank you that your blood covers that, your grace covers that. But now, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would you make me drunk by the, uh, the Holy Spirit and not by all the stuff? I'm just drunk on the pride I get at my job or I'm drunk at the, um, you know, whatever, the laughs that I get uh, at, at work by saying stupid stuff. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. The good news is this. Luke chapter 11 says this. This is Jesus speaking. For everyone who asks, receives. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. For everyone who asks, receive. So if all of you who raised your hands and those of you who didn't, did you know the context? The context is right here. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So as we worship together, and as I told the first service, feel free to kneel. I'm going to kneel, but feel free to kneel and just acknowledge this before the Lord. Confess this either with your, just audibly or just in your heart. Lord, I'm better off today in 2018 
than as if I were with you physically because I have the Holy Spirit. Only, Lord, please, I need you. I need the Holy Spirit. Fill me. Can you do that as we worship? So let's worship together.